10 Questions with Kevin Devine. Yep, I'm good. They can be as long-winded or as short-answered as you want. Okay. Okay, so number one, your favorite film? My favorite phone? Film, movie. Film? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's the accent Uh coming in straight away. (laughs) That was good. My favorite, I I was like, I wonder what my favorite phone is. But my favorite (laughs) film, I am really, really... uh, poorly equipped for favorite anythings i feel like the minute anyone ever asks me that question every mouse in my brain scatters to the corner and hides somewhere yeah um but i you know i I would probably say it's something like fargo or the big lebowski or um, taxi driver these are movies that i've watched more than any other movies uh i also you know et and uh, stuff you loved when you were a kid but, yeah. but I think I, I, that's the first place my brain just went to is Fargo and the Big Lebowski so let's just say those that's I'm, fine I'm happy with that because I agree so I'm happy with that um, change if you ask me <laughs> tomorrow I'd probably have a different answer but those were the first things that came into my head so they, we'll go with that we'll go with it um, who would you least like to be stranded in a lift with or an elevator as you call it sorry uh, no, no, I know. What I, I was with you there. Uh, currently, I mean, you know, the easy answer would probably be our American president. Um, <laughs> That's the best I answer think, you can give. I think for right now, I'll go with that. Not, not that he's honestly there. A whole vice president wouldn't be much better. Nor would <laughs> Ted Cruz. Nor would Mitch McConnell. Nor would a bunch of other political figures here. You may or may not know of, but uh, I would. He would be. Man, he just. He just strikes you as a miserable soulless guy and indicates that money and prestige have no impact on someone's well-being and happiness because that guy has everything and you can just see it in his face that he's just a uh miserable person so yeah. uh he would be a miserable person to be stuck in a conversation with for any length of time <laughs> i'm not going to add anything to that but i agree in short um there you go. your pet hate my pet hate I know I'm on some like the uh I'm really arm wrestling with social media right now oh. uh which which might sound like a real um generationalist thing for a 37 year old guy to say <laughs> uh, I, I, you know I use it I'm really trying to wean myself off of it because I've found myself kind of creepily unconsciously addicted to the dopamine hit of refreshing my feed over and again and yeah. seeing what's you know it, just that neurological thing that people are talking about is i think very real and i'm having a real hard time with it right now around social justice and politics and and honestly as a left-leaning person i'm having as hard a time with it around my own people as i am around yeah. uh, anybody else i just it's really i've never felt more awake and aware of and in tune with and uh keeping track of the movement and what's happening while also feeling less and less um, represented by the nature of the discourse and wanting to engage in the discourse. Like, I feel like less and less... Every time I open up Twitter or Instagram now, the first thing I think is, 
do I need to actually say what I am about to say? And I got to tell you, nine times out of ten, the answer is no. Yeah. Not really. So right now, I'm on some a pet hate is a uh, is what the fuck social media is doing to everybody. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> I get that. I get that so much. Um, like I the, the dopamine hit. Like totally get that. Jeez. Um, but yeah, I also yeah. agree with you, and like I I, I kind of get sick of checking my opinions out there, like because they're just there to be well, shot at sometimes. But you kind of feel like you need to do it, but then it kind of gets oh, tedious. Well, that's what I'm examining right now. Is the you kind of feel like you need to do it part? Yeah. Uh, seeing what that's about. Um, now I have a niche platform, and I'm a quasi public figure in a very small. Uh, way so so I, I am aware that like for a lot of people I think social media fills a space that I may get filled by the performing part of being a musician like yeah. I'm very aware of the fact that it is a weird and singular job to uh, perform your function and then have people literally clap at you afterwards most people don't have that in their lives no. and uh, I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing that any of us have in our lives <laughs> but I think social media has become a place where everybody is their own um, movie star celebrity or culture maven political figure philosopher uh, photographer um, you know etc 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 by the way I'm just like I'm, I'm in it too I'm not saying it from a from the from the mountaintop throwing lightning bolts I'm yeah. just trying to say it from the from the throng like looking around and being like does any of this make us better and I do think it can be a useful thing for for resistance and a useful thing for information and a useful thing for like calling truth to uh, what's it called calling power to truth making yeah. power be accountable to itself but I really also think that's about a fractional use of what it, well, a fractional amount of what it's really used for. doing, and the rest of it is just us fucking slinging shit at each other, uh, <laughs> and often really at no one. Often just slinging shit up in the air and feeling exercised by that. Yeah. But uh, I don't know who's listening. So anyway, <laughs> let's just say for right now, pet pet hate or pet. Hate's always like fear metastasized. So let's say pet fear, pet hate, pet uh, peeve. Social media. Yeah, 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 yeah. Your favorite city in the world outside of your home? Um, my man, my brain just said like five different places. So <laughs> I'll just pick one of them. Uh, I really like, I surprisingly, for a New Yorker, really like Los Angeles to visit. Uh, I don't know if oh. I could live there, but I really like I like going there to visit. I like Portland. I like Austin. I like Berlin. I love Berlin. Uh, I actually really like Manchester. Um, yeah, yeah, I do. I do. I mean, I, I'm a I'm, but I don't know if I would live in any of those places. I get to go to those places for 24 or 48 hours, or, or you know, at most, I've lived in LA twice for like you know, a month once in seven weeks another time. So that's like a long enough time to actually like find your coffee shop and your grocery store yeah. and start to actually know the way the roads work and um, whatever. So that's the only other place actually outside of New York that I've like kind of quasi lived. Like if you, if you want to say more than a month and up is like 
unofficially kind of living somewhere. Yeah, I've I'd done agree that, with that in LA twice. Um, and I, you know, everything that's wrong with it is what is true. <laughs> and everything that is kind of beautiful about it is true too. So I might just for the simplicity of the conversation say maybe LA because it's the one other place I can kind of imagine living. I like Glasgow a lot too. Glasgow's amazing. Um, I'll test for that. Yeah. You said my favorite two places, Glasgow and Berlin are mine. Like by there far. You go. And I like okay. New York too. But there you go. No, no, New York is great, yeah. but I can't say it. No, that's I, the game. Because I, I knew that's what you would say, and I took it away. I thought, no, I'm not going to give him the choice. New York's <laughs> complicated, though. Like I love, I love it here. It's my, it's, it's in me. So I don't really even think about it anymore. It's yeah. just like, um, but I, and I am aware of, you know, like earlier this week, uh, I, my days, my, my, my kid is in daycare, so I can like. Uh, my wife works a more normal job, and so I can get stuff done during the day, both for work and for like the house. Um, yeah. So, but but there's also time in there where I can like go and see people. And since nighttime with a baby is not really uh, my nightlife is on my cheese days. Um, <laughs> I, I essentially try to still have like relationships during the day. And I went and saw a guy who's drummed for us in the past, Mike Fatum, who who has a. Uh, a pizza place he opened up called ops in bushwick and he's like working 100 hours a week now and so i I went to we went he had a day off we went and had some food like walked around the east village got some got a burger a veggie burger got some coffee kind of wandered around the sun was out and i did have that like oh yeah new york's amazing like you can do anything anytime it's just it is kind of unparalleled in that way um but uh, it's also a different city every 18 months or two years in some respects. And the places that I like grew up playing music in or drinking in or um, making music in or, you know, just like coming to adulthood in uh, are often those most of those places are gone. So, you know, it's right now as a 37 year old father that new york feels like it belongs to a 25 year old kid in bushwick somewhere yeah but um but i still you know there are still those moments where even having lived here my whole life there are afternoons where you're like oh fuck this place is amazing and uh and and i can't really imagine living anywhere else and economics might force me to have to imagine that yeah (laughs) Yeah. because new york is getting harder to hack if you're not like a rich eastern european land maven or something but uh (laughs) but but that's that's where we're at right now so uh, yeah i would say let's just say la just controversial let's (laughs) say la i can take that i've never been but i'll take it so i know it's like 10 o'clock right now where you are but Mm -hmm. the the last song that you listened to the last song that I listened to was on the radio driving yesterday, and it was um, WFUV, College Radio Station in New York, and it was A Little Uncanny by Connor Oberst from his, uh. not the one that's on the quiet record, but I guess the one that's going to be the version on the full band record that's about to come out. That is, I think, the last full song I listened to. I was kind of worried you were going to, when you said radio, I was worried you were going to be like Rihanna or something. I was like, oh, no, but... no. Oh, this morning I was in a coffee shop and there was music on. But you don't but know I what was it was. 
doing a little work and I was also I ended up talking to a friend of mine that showed up uh, so so I think I heard five or six or eight songs this morning but I don't remember what the hell they were they were just in the background we can take on aerobics that's cool sure sure your most prized possession I mean the cheesy immediate answer I thought of was was Edie my kid but yeah. uh, she's not really a possession she's a human being so <laughs> um Hmm. That's a good question. I, I don't. I take my possessions for granted to such an extent that I don't even think about them. I guess because yeah. I don't really have like a a reflexive answer to that. I think you know I have a framed letter that my dad wrote to my brother and sister the night that my mom went into the hospital to have me. Oh. Uh, somebody gave me my mom might have found it and framed it and given it to me after my dad passed away i guess i would say that is if i had to pick a thing that's a thing that that i that has sentimental value and filial historical value and you know it's kind of funny because it's very matter of fact it's basically like my father telling they were they were young like 10 and 12 or something and telling my brother and sister like we're in the hospital. There's uh, there's cold cuts and cheese in the fridge. If you want to make a sandwich, <laughs> something <laughs> like that. It's very like very. I can hear his voice. It's very like matter of fact. And then like yeah. when you come home, you'll have a new brother, kind of thing. So um, nice way to break it. That that that, yeah. that is a good choice, man. That is a good answer. You thought about that very well. I like that. All right. There you go. So this one's going to be pretty tough because you've already said you're not very good at favorite things, but so we're going for it yep yep your favorite band i mean probably elliot smith is my favorite musician i don't know if you can say a single musician for for a band yeah. if no, i have to okay. pick like a group of people would, of all time it would probably be i mean i'm apparently this indicates that i'm stuck in my adolescence but it, i guess i would pick nirvana or maybe like the Beatles, as boring as that is, just because as much as I love a million other things that have happened since... That's what started it. Yeah, and everything I like goes back to one of those things on some yeah. level. You can draw a line through... I mean, you know, I actually really su surprise myself once a year. I don't really care a whole lot about Morrissey as a figure anymore. I think he's kind of warped and chasing some shadow version of himself but i at once a year i'll go into a smith's thing for like a, a week and i realize like oh my god I, I i don't know that i think there are five bad smith songs which is really hard to say about most bands i get oh. people hate them based on his lyrics or his his vocal affectation and i totally understand that but for me once you get the Smiths in my adult life kind of ascended to like top five bands where I'm like, shit, once a year I'll go into a place with them where I'm like, well, this is literally the only thing I'm going to listen to <laughs> for yeah, the next week. I get that so, quite a lot. I think everyone gets with the Smiths, right? Like, there's just something don't. about them. Oh, oh yeah, Either like you say, they do don't. Or they fucking hate it. And, and I completely, I have so many friends that are just like, yeah, can't do it. Can't do him at all. <laughs> like, yeah. I get it. I, I actually live with a woman who is uh, who is fairly 
sperm in her Morrissey rejection. But um, but I, you know, I I tend to make up for it in my household more than <laughs> make up for it. But yeah, if I had to pick a songwriter, you know, Dylan is up, and Cohen is up there. But if I had to pick like a person to listen to. You know, if it was like a desert island thing, I would I would probably pick Elliot Smith. I just I think he distills so much of he's his own thing completely, but also distills so much of what I love about all those other people. Yeah, uh, of course. and I, and I think he there's a, there's a musicality. I'm still learning things from him, and he hasn't made a new record in 16 years or whatever. So I, you know, I, I'm that's that's a mark from to me of like a classic songwriting is is when you're still picking it apart you know yeah. and people will be with his songs because they were so the musicality was just so advanced but it was presented in such a casual way that you never you didn't really feel that until you kind of start to dig in and you're like oh this guy is playing stuff that none of his peers could play quite frankly uh yeah. and 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 so i guess i would go with him so this one kind of a odd one but because you might hate the film but who would you say is the best member of the goonies oh god uh probably chunk yeah chunk's the best oh maybe maybe sloth sloth is great sloth is sloth is just he's like an honorary goonie he's like that um he is physicalization of the idea that all you need is love because yeah. look, dude was like just you know he just had the wrong information the wrong upbringing the wrong uh malnourishment and then when he was like exposed to some uh some better data and some more loving you know and it was a, chunk a that brought that cr- I suppose Chunk you know, brought that originally, so I suppose the original is Chunk. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, Chunk is funny. As, I mean, Chunk's short round is great, too. There's there's, there's, there's a whole... Yeah, there's a whole... Look, there... Or maybe short round is after is called in the Indiana Jones movie. I can't remember. Data. Who is Data the kid with all the different... Like, uh... Mm. The, the little kid who has all the different like he has like the weird retractable boxing glove and he's always like oh, inventing yeah. things i think so like the one where his dad like his dad's like the same the end of the film his dad yes, has like exactly, yeah exactly i think so that kid is also in an indiana jones movie and i think his oh, really? name in that might be short round um he was very, he was like this little boy that was in these two hugely successful movies, and then I've never thought of again. I don't know. I've had no. clue if he was yeah. in other movies after that. But let's go with Chunk for me. The best TV show of all time. My reflexive answer was Seinfeld. For thought, any oh, further? Good answer. Um, in this, it's light. But it's there's a like waiting for Godot Beckett quotidian absurdism to what they did that those guys would probably vomit in their mouths if they heard me saying that out loud. <laughs> but that's there is something Seinfeld is is also in a lot of ways quintessentially an entertainment from before September 11th and like the deepening darkening water that we realized the world was in. If you watch them now, like the they're so obsessed about this minutia about life that is so self-centered and kind of like there's like 
a wistfulness to watching it now because you're like, oh, remember when that's what we thought was important? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which isn't the same thing as saying it was actually important. The world was all manner of fucked up and confusing before these big events happened that kind of brought it to the West. Yeah. But, um, but I do watch it now and I'm like, oh my God, do you remember when like, yeah, like this is, it just seems like so much more, um, there's a quaintness to it, but I do think like the character development, the, the kind of, it's kind of an anarchic show for the time it was on predicated upon four main characters who were kind of awful people. Like they were just sort of always, there wasn't a lot of like sweetness. Or, yeah, yeah. I know. You, totally was, self-centered yeah. people trying to like get it's over kind it. of like, you know, there's like there's always sunny in Philadelphia. That's the same. Like those people are like awful, but there's something kind of you can connect with them about. Well, yeah, I think, and I think that it's always sunny and shows like that are kind of uh, riffing on that Einfeld yeah. archetype. But I think that as cable expanded and as internet entertainment expanded, you can have those shows now, and people can be a bit more like R rated. And I actually kind of love that Seinfeld is bound by the restrictions of network television because they never really they you know they didn't curse or they didn't uh make dick jokes that were obvious dick jokes or whatever they were kind of like it had to kind of be a little more cerebral than that so i think seinfeld i also love um the first two seasons of arrested development i could watch the way I listen to like records, I like I could watch those. I do watch those like once a year, and I'm like, this is still so so. The pacing and the uh, it's just so funny. Um, Sopranos is great. Uh, I'm the going Wire back to X Files right now. Great. I've never seen The Wire, but I've just been bought that for like Christmas, just gone. But we haven't started it. Yet. The Wire is an adjustment at first because it's it's not. It's very, uh, you know, it's the pacing is very deliberate and it's not um, it's a patient show. And in that respect, like I think when people first start watching it, they think it's a little boring. And I think if you break the back of the first half of the first season and kind of let it let the characters develop, it's a really it's it's hard to watch because it's pretty um depressing in some systemic sense it gets a pretty like i think pretty it's still an entertainment so it's definitely not like watching watching a documentary but it's still a pretty like pretty developed examination of all the layers of kind of um obfuscation and rot in the american civic political it it looks at it from every different angle the cops the journalists the kids in school the drug dealers it's like very much an examination of like what's failed in american cities um but it's really compelling and the characters are great and it's it's you know i i think that that show did something no other show has done whether that makes it the best show I don't know. Breaking Bad was an amazing show, too. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. But I I don't know. Seinfeld is probably the thing that I was deeply spaced out and just am, like, settling on something to sit there and watch. It's probably the go-to. Seinfeld or or the first few seasons of Arrested Development. 
And have you seen the film The Lobster? So I saw literally 80% of that movie, and okay. then the flight I was on ended. Okay. And I still have not seen the last 20 minutes of the movie, so I don't know how it resolved itself. I need to like go on Netflix and just fast forward to the last 20 minutes or something. But it's yeah. It's real good. But you know the premise of it. If you had to choose an animal that you had to be, if that was to happen to you, what animal would you choose? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I remember thinking about this when I watched it and now yeah, I can't you do. remember all what I came up with. What did you come up with? I kind of came up with a cat, but like I'm kind of biased and I think it's awesome. So kind of my immediate thought was a cat. But then you've got things like lions, tigers, like snakes. You could be pretty much, there's, there's so much choice, it's, but. It's tough because there's that modest mouse lyric. It's hard as, it's hard to be a human being, but it's harder as anything else. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely tough life in the animal kingdom. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's we, we're kill or be killed in some ways here, too, but we've, like, evolved and sophisticated what that actually means and looks like. It's not always literally, like, kill each other. We figure out ways to do that, like, economically yeah. and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know? We do it in but, smart ways, um, allegedly. Yeah. Um. But, I mean, uh, God, that's a good question that I really – I I'm just going to make something up based on looking at my kids' stuff. Animals. Um, <laughs> Gi- I wouldn't want to pick anything that was like factory farmed because those motherfuckers have it really hard. Like a chicken yeah. or, or a pig or a cow. or Those those are, those are amongst the most doomed creatures on earth, basically. Um, Unfortunately, but I yeah. But I would say uh, I would like to come back as some kind of bird, even if the life cycle was short. Because, um, you know, flight, flight is yeah. like something that human beings just, whether you're, it doesn't matter if you're hang gliding or in a plane or doing whatever. I mean, you can't, I, I would love to know what that felt like the ability to, and you know, the odds are whatever you're coming back and lobster's a smart choice because there's, you know, there's, there's the life cycle and the crustaceans and whatever. I, I just think that most animals you're going to probably live a fairly short life unless you're a domestic animal yeah um and we're domestic animals i've already done that i've already sat around a house um ran around a field uh so i don't know i would say let's say a bird let's say like some fucking majestic hawk or eagle or something like that big big wings flying fast flying high uh i'll go with that that works so that's 10 questions awesome we did it 